Welcome into DTC. LP, I think we're going to have to stop calling it defeating the curse as the Capitals seem to be on their way to ending and putting us in a little bit of a predicament as to what to call this this fantastic podcast moving forward. But So let's just go with DTC for right now. On the podcast today, you all know me. My name is Joe. LP is on as well, which means we're definitely talking basketball. And then our boy from North Mexico, Canada, is on as well. And it was hard to track him down during the Cavaliers uh, versus Drake series because it wasn't much of a series. I don't know what the heck the Raptors were thinking, not double-teaming LeBron for four straight games. But he basically handed them their ass uh, from start to finish in every single game. So before we get into you know the conference finals and predictions and things like that, now that we have Canada on the podcast, can we get maybe a two-minute explanation as to what the Drakes were doing and why they didn't want to cover LeBron for four straight games? I don't know. Nobody knows. Everybody is like uh, in panic mode over here in Toronto. It was an absolute disappointment to a pretty good season. Um, and it was just LeBron being a bit of LeBron, and I thought there was um, a little. It bit. was odd because because there was two games where we lost by a combined three points, right? Game one and game three. Um, and I just thought that that just broke them mentally. And then Dwayne Casey, um, RIP Dwayne Casey in Toronto. He's, he didn't uh, die. And first of all, the, the whole <laughs> losing two games by three points thing, um, I'm going to call that loser talk. We're very familiar with it here in D.C., uh, the moral victories. It's yeah. nice to be on the other side of it with a team like the Capitals right now. But let's be honest, the Wizards, they, they wouldn't have been able to stop LeBron the way he's playing either. Uh, oh, nobody, nobody. I mean, Casey, but, I can't think of another coach who wins almost 60 games or 59 games, sets a whole bunch of franchise records, and then gets canned. So I don't really understand that move either. Um, and I don't understand yeah. what he did with DeRozan. I'm just not following the thought process. So there was definitely a, a falling out happening. So the, what what the word is on the street is that after uh, game one and game three, he was uh, scolded by management for some of the in-game decisions. And I think it was, it, regardless, even if he won 80 games, he would have probably gotten canned because it was just one of those things where they're not agreeing on the approach, especially around Reblon, and you hit it right on the head. The biggest uh, criticism from management to Casey was the double teaming of LeBron in certain moments, like the inbound play in game three, the buzzer beater. He was supposed to be double teamed the whole way through, and that didn't happen. And it's just like in-game adjustments like that will get you fired uh, on the highest of stages. Like Casey was a great coach, plus 60% in the regular season over seven years, and not didn't break 40% in the playoffs. So... It is what it is, but like somebody's going to go down for a, such a collapse, and it's got to be. It starts with like coaching, then the players. But I think um, a bit of that, that he lost the locker room for sure. Benching, you know, players that started the whole season, uh, benching your all star in the fourth quarter on a big stage like that. That's just, you know, it it, it was weird decision making. So I mean, but at some point something had to change. You're down three zero in the series, and. And honestly, from an outsider's perspective, it was a boring series. series. Yeah. I mean, you know, for us Wizards fans, we're sore losers. Um, we lose to Toronto in, in, you know, round one, and we don't want to watch anymore. But yeah, I, I mean, with, with some point with LeBron probably going to the West next year, I don't, I don't get the point of, you know, start over because the Raptors were clearly the best team in the regular season. Who knows what's going to happen with the Celtics? 
The Wizards took a step back. I don't think the Sixers are there yet. I just don't understand um, the need to to fire. I mean, I kind of get that, though. You know, like you, because the way Canada Canada hit the nail on the head, right? You can't do certain things. You can't bench the best player on your team, um, you know, unless it's a complete blowout. In that game, it wasn't totally, I guess it wasn't totally out out of reach, but. They just didn't look competitive, and that that was my main takeaway. Is the Raptors that we saw against the Wizards, and it's the quality of opponent is huge here. But frankly, you look at what the what the Cavs are doing, or, or what the lack of what they could do yesterday against the Celtics team. You know, in Washington, if we if we go back a month and you ask most Wizards fans, do you want to see the Celtics or the Raptors? Most of us wanted to see the Celtics. Um, you Same look here. at you look Same at here. right. You look at what the Celtics did though to the Cavs yesterday. Uh, you know it's it's a little bit closer or more reminiscent to what the Pacers did. They were very physical. Yep. They they forced the refs basically to change how they were going to call the game. Um, they didn't always double team LeBron, but uh, you know I'll tell you what more, the Morris twin uh, whichever one his uh, Marcus. He he talked a lot of smack leading up to that game about how he's the LeBron stopper and he's going to let his game. You know, show people what he can do. He played really, really well yesterday, and it's only game one, and it's early, and LeBron is going to have his time to shine as well. But I did anyone expect the Cavaliers to come out so flat? I, I didn't. I didn't see that coming out at all, and I definitely didn't see. Uh, you know, I mean, if the Celtics continue on the trajectory that they're on, the story is going to be Brad Stevens and how this guy is basically. Uh, rewriting how to coach in the modern NBA. He's something else, man, and, and it's really special to watch and to see what he's doing. But, you know, we'll we'll get to him in a second. You know, LP, did you see did you see this coming from the Cavaliers? You know, just such a flat performance coming off a sweep of the Raptors? Let's let's be careful here. Let's be very careful. If LeBron is playing the way that LeBron played in the Toronto series, there's no stopping him. The Celtics are just are not gonna be able to do it. One game is, is one game, and let's just call it at that. The series is far from over. I would not count LeBron out at all. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Like, coming from someone who's seen this guy beat us three years in a row, um, I would say one thing that's a little different this year, though. It's going to, like, I just feel that Cleveland's done a really good job at making in-series adjustments to the way they're being played. So game game two will be interesting, but I honestly, like I've been saying this all season, I think Brad Stevens is an incredibly good coach in, in the NBA. He's done so much with very little. Like a lot of people are talking about LeBron and being like on a team with nobodies and going to the finals, but look what Boston's doing with absolutely nobody. Like um, there is no all-star. There is no person to double team right now on the court. And they're still dominating. So let's see what happens with the adjustments. But I do think, like, yeah, without LeBron having a 42-minute masterpiece for four games, I don't know if they can get through. Well, I mean, Jeff Tatum would be a a rookie of the year candidate, if not for Simmons, who shouldn't be considered, and, of course, uh, Donovan Mitchell out in Utah. So it's not that they have nobody, but certainly no one with the pedigree and the experience that would merit this type of performance. Uh, and come on, come and on. Marcus Morris was supposed to be a bench player this season, and he's become become one of the biggest storylines in the NBA playoffs. Okay, but he's still Marcus the, Morris, and this these are his first playoff minutes of his career, right? I don't think he's made it before this season. Has he ever played in the playoffs before? 
Right. That's what I'm saying. He, he's there's still a, a team of nobodies. No, no I, I'm not disagreeing. But I think you look at Brad Stevens, take a step back here. Right. Our, our friends over at the Celtics over easy podcast. I listen to them from time to time. And they're really you know, they had a good point a couple of days ago. They were talking about well, Brad Stevens in round one had to come up with a way to scheme around the Greek freak without really having a player anywhere similar uh, in characteristics or, or ability. And he was able to do it. Right, and then he was, and then he had to adjust in round two to guard basically two freaks in Simmons and um, and uh, Joel Embiid. So like he did that too, and now he's got to yet again change his tactic and somehow find a way to limit LeBron and force them to shoot and miss outside jumpers and keep them away from the basket. I, I mean, the only way the Cavs can make this a series, and and it's it's hard to just say that based on one game. But if Tristan Thompson, if uh, if Kevin Love, I mean, where's Kevin Love? Like, this guy is a professional magician at this point. I, I don't understand. He disappears for entire stretches. It feels like of the season, you know. But if they, they're gonna have to get more physical. They're gonna have. They're not gonna beat Boston in a in a in a run and fun game. They're just they're just not gonna do it. Or uh, frankly, Kyle Korver is a, is a shell of himself too. So they're gonna have to find some mojo, and they're gonna have to do what they did against the Raptors, which is. Uh, basically just you know come out kind of punch him in the teeth and and like Canada said I mean if LeBron is LeBron there's no one that can match him but that this team is a little different and the coaching on this team is, is something really special and, and it, it hurts me to say that but Brad Stevens a couple years ago when they plucked him from the college ranks everybody was like yeah he had some limited success but can he do it he's proving he can do it and he's going to be a Celtics coach for a long time which means as Wizards fans and as Raptors fans we're gonna have to deal with him for a long long time so you know, let let's switch gears here. Let's let's talk about the Western Conference, right? This this series starts uh, it starts tonight, so I, I think I, I'm excited to see this. This is basically we've been building towards this the entire the entire 82 game season. Uh, you know, if we had penciled in favorites, we probably would have said Boston and Cleveland, and we probably would have said Houston and um, and uh, and Golden State. So here we are. Do you think the Rockets can get past? the Warriors in a seven game series. Let's go Canada first. What do you think? What do you think will happen out West? No chance. I think <laughs> Golden State is the favorite. And I, I still do before the season and after season. Like, I mean, I think Houston's been awesome and their offense is really interesting and whatever, but um, I think Golden State at full strength, everybody healthy is the team to beat. Um, and I also think Kevin Durant is the LeBron of the West. Like he can take over a game in the last few seconds, hit that shot. He's pretty much unguardable in a half court set for, you know, the final shot of a game. So we saw that last year in the championships where LeBron himself couldn't stop that three. So I don't see how they get, I don't see how they, um they, they get taken out unless someone's hurt. I don't know what, um, Steph Curry's like level, like percent of healthiness is, is he back to a hundred or not? But I think if they're all, all four of those core guys are healthy, I think they, they're going to win this thing pretty handily. Maybe the home court advantage for Houston gets them a couple of games, but it'll probably be like warriors in six or something like that. LP, do you think they have a shot? Do you think the Rockets can pull this off? I, I really hope so, man. I, I cannot stand Draymond Green. I cannot stand him. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> he just irks me. I think Houston's got a shot. I mean, they, they haven't done this before. They've been uh, hurt in the playoffs many times by San Antonio, by Golden State. I mean, it's it just, it, to me, it draws a, a parallel to the Caps, where they haven't been able to do it for year after year. And at some point, 
things are going to start to change. I think this year could be the year. Um, I mean, what CP3 did in the last series was pretty impressive. Um, they have a deep team, and they can score. So if anyone can keep up with the scoring of Golden State, it's going to be Houston. So I think there's a shot. I yeah, think, they're going to definitely have to outscore them. Who do you like, see? Let me ask you guys. Who, who do you see covering Harden to start this game? Probably be Clay. That, see, that's what or, I think too. I don't think it's Durant to start. I think they. I think they switch to Durant if Clay gets in trouble. But if it is Clay and Harden, Harden is is a wizard at getting to the rim. He gets a lot of uh, light contact fouls. fouls called. He shoots a ton of free throws. Like if I mean the Rockets ironically like to run also. So if they get into a running match, I'm not really sure who the advantage goes to because both teams run like crazy. You know, maybe the Warriors just by default because they're stacked talent wise. But I'll tell you, man, if they go small and it turns into the you know, the Draymond playing center nonsense that the Warriors do sometimes, you gotta like the you gotta at least like the the Rockets' ability to match that lineup for at least some stretches. And we've seen I think it. defensively, though, defensively, you'll see like they'll do what they've done in the last two finals and they'll start Iguodala um, and put him on their best scorer, right? So, like, they'll go super small with probably like Draymond or 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 Cage um, or uh, Durant at center. And then you'll see Iguodala guarding Harden, just like how he was guarding LeBron or whatever it was. Like, I think that's what you'll probably But that's a see terrible matchup. That's a terrible matchup for Golden State. AI, I mean, AI, you know, the new AI. Or I think like in a half, AI, if, like if there is a running game, you're right. I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't see that happening at all. I, I think the only two people on, on that roster, on the Golden State roster that can stick worth harder, maybe two and a half, are are uh, Thompson and uh, and Durant and maybe in some circumstances, um, well, actually, maybe that's it. But if he goes crazy, I, I mean, he's just, I don't know. I, I hope that the Ro- the Rockets can at least make it a series, right? Because if it Golden State against either of these Eastern Conference teams really won't be a lot of fun to watch as a basketball fan. And certainly, if you're the NBA, you don't want to see the Rockets get through for ratings purposes. But you know, we gotta we gotta look at it that way too. So I I don't know. I, I think the Rockets, if they're gonna steal a game, it's gonna be Game One. Um, and, and stealing is the wrong word here, but I, I think they are good enough to beat the Warriors. I just don't know if they could do it. You know, if you ask them to get, if you ask them to get four yeah, games over the course of the season, I think they could do it. I don't know if they can get four of seven. I would say that the difference is that the Rockets have to play perfect, like perfect system basketball, like their system, whereas the the Warriors just have to play up to their potential. You know what I mean? So, like, I think like that's the the advantage. The there the gap has definitely gotten smaller between the rest of the league and the Warriors. But I think, like, yeah, if you're right, this year is probably the year someone can give them a really good run. But I still think at full strength, the Warriors are just a better version of the Rockets. So, but do you think home court matters? You know, the fact that Golden State has to go on the road and they're going to have to win some games in Houston. I think it makes it makes a little bit of a difference, right? I mean, home court does matter a little bit. I'm from Toronto. Home court means nothing to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but Golden State's had a had an easier path in the past. This is uh, this is new t- new ground for them, or at least the Kevin Durant version of them. LP. Yeah, well, they're gonna they're gonna have to work, right? Like they're gonna have to have a big road win. Um, but again, like you know, a team with multiple championships is more more likely to do it um, than anyone else. 
there's a big X factor here to me, and it's health. It's the health of, of yeah. Steph Curry. And I don't know. I just have this feeling that someone is going to go down. Someone's going to get suspended. Something is going to happen in this series that's going to completely shift the momentum. So, Yeah, I mean, like the last time they lost, Steph Curry was, wasn't healthy, right? So it, it's probably going to come down to health. Also, um, like, again, like like Harden and, and like this is uncharted waters for like Harden and uh, Chris Paul. And I kind of want to see them like at the biggest stage like so a lot of people are calling this the nba finals right so like this is the biggest stage biggest like ratings this is where you want to see guys kind of like rise to the moment and not shrink um you know so we'll we'll see like i I, again like they have to play a perfect system game for them to win uh to beat them and game one's going to be everything because this is your best chance to knock them down is just coming out of the gate, you'll have the crowd behind you. Like it's clutch city again, back in, in Houston. So you never know, like maybe they are on this magical run. Who so knows? let's wrap up NBA talk here with a question. If one of these Eastern conference teams is going to win the title, which team is it? And who is their opponent? LP, you go NA. first. NA. Not, not possible. You think whoever not wins possible. the West wins. Okay. Zero. Canada. Zero. How about you? There's, uh, there's no chance an Eastern teams winning a championship. Um, I mean, I guess like LeBron, you know, averages a quadruple double or something crazy like that. But you don't think the Cavs after- could beat the Rockets in a in a in a seven game series? Um, no, no, not, not the system they play. No, I, I mean, saw a stat that LeBron was the first player in history to um, whatever average whatever he did without a single person on his team getting over twenty points all series. I mean, yeah. he's literally. Carrying the LeBron James, you said it before, the, the, the LeBron James of whatever, 2012 or whatever it was, his Miami thing, is what created the, LeBron, the NBA of today. And now it's completely backfired on him. He's got, he's got nobody. Yeah. I think the whole, the whole league has like, like basically adjusted to the super team model that he created. And it empowered a lot of like superstars to walk away from home teams to go do it. Like the Greek freak will be the next one that probably does it. Maybe Kawhi, like you're going to start seeing some crazy teams now reacting to this, right? There was right. a, so the hoops hype, no which is a terrible website, which uh, you can't, can't really take anything. They say, uh, you know, with more than a grain of salt, but they had a scenario where all the LA boys came home within the next two seasons. So you had a team of love Westbrook, George and, uh, and Leonard, which, I mean, it just makes your head spin to think of if you can actually assemble that talent. But then I'm reminded that the Kevin Love of right now is a terrible version of Kevin Love, who doesn't actually get the ball on the on the block and allow, he's not able to do anything. Um, and there was a it was a fascinating article about what they what they had to give up to get him and how they ended up in this spot. If you were, if you recall the trade that LeBron uh, pulled off way back when to get Love in the first place, but. Yeah. Let's let's put a pin in the NBA talk. It sounds like you both are convinced the Warriors just, are. Just before you before you switch over to NBA, just I would like. Do you guys see the Supreme Court ruling today on gambling? Oh um, yeah, we're yes. We have a whole podcast dedicated to that coming soon. If you want to, do you want to be on that podcast? I'd love to. That's big, big news. Absolutely, for we are excited. We are on the path to becoming degenerates, just like the UK, where you can walk to yep. any street corner. 
and bet on the the you know what color the referee socks are going to be or whatever nonsense they have there. So, um, could you imagine? Actually, you know, I was having an offline conversation with um, with Steve and some of the the boys that cover the Nats, and they were saying, could you imagine being like sitting at the baseball park and betting on whether the next pitch is going to be a curveball or a fastball? Can you imagine that? That's that's what this actually yeah. opens up towards. So Canada, look for an invitation. We'll have you on to talk about that topic. We're we're, we're yeah, super excited to talk about it too. Um, not to say that we're degenerates, but sports betting is a big deal. Um, you know, yeah. two decades ago, it was about online poker, and and that went the way of the bird. Um, but this is completely different. Actually, this actually opens up the the floodgates for that to return to. But let's and not it puts leagues, like it puts leagues in ownership positions like. Adam Silver is talking about trying to get one percent of all NBA sports gambling through this sure. this new Supreme Court case. Like, I mean, it's just fascinating the amount of money that's going to flow into yeah. uh, professional sports. They're drug dealers, basically. This is the legalized marijuana, you know, concept it just is. applied through sports exactly. and, and ownership teams. So, l- I promise we'll do a whole show on sports betting, Canada. You'll be uh, you'll be with us on that one. But for right now. We would be remiss not to talk about the hottest team in town, the storyline of all storylines, the C-A-P-S, Caps, Caps, Caps. LP, we are two wins away from the Eastern Conference, uh, well, from winning the Eastern Conference and playing for Lord Stanley's Cup, which is incredible to think of. You know, if you go back just a week ago, we were coming off a high beating our nemesis, the evil empire that is the uh, the Penguins. And we were talking about, okay, well, Tampa is faster. They are younger. They hit harder. They got guys like Stamkos and Kucherov, and their goaltenders impermeable. This guy cannot be beaten. We've, we've hung 10 goals on them over two games. We've had a deficit. Last night, we had a deficit to start uh, the second period, if I'm not mistaken. They have, the Capitals have looked like the better team from start to finish in both games so far. They currently sit with a 2-0 lead against the Tampa Bay Lightning, coming home to D.C. to potentially close out the Eastern Conference Finals and go to the to the championship round. I mean, the city is, is I feel like it's a very controlled um, excitement right now. You got the Nats streaking two, winning 13 of 15, and they're outscoring opponents by two to one. But the story of all stories are these Capitals. And, you know, I'm not super hockey guy, but I understand enough. I, I know that Tampa loves to run a 1-2-2, right? And for those that watch soccer, that's a very easy concept to pick up. They like to run a 1-2-2. Well, you know how you beat a 1-2-2? You run a 1-3-1. And that's exactly what the Capitals have been doing. Jacob Verana has been essentially unguardable, and he's picking up the puck. Wherever, wherever he touches it, he goes to the center of the ice and forces that defense to collapse. Again, I'm not hockey guy, but I know what I'm seeing, and the Caps swarm, and they, at even strength, five on five, the Caps are the better team, and the margin is not close. It's just not close. I, I mean, I am, I am in full-on, you know, full-chub mode for, the, for this Caps team. I am so excited to see what happens in a couple nights here in D.C. I mean, I know you've watched these games. Our boy FP, I don't know where this guy is. I, I think he's convinced that if he starts talking about the Caps, that they will lose. So we'll let him stay off off mic, off camera, off the off the website for a little bit. But how impressed are you with this Capitals team? We talked about it at the end of the Pittsburgh series, and we said, are, are this, "Is this Caps team going to have a hangover from finally getting over Pittsburgh?" And I said, "No, I don't think so. That monkey is off their back. They can play free. They can play tough. They can play physical." And that's exactly what they've done. They've come out game one, scored first, scored early, 
They come out game two, scored first, scored early. What's impressive is this team, how resilient this team was, scoring first and then allowing two goals yesterday and then coming back and scoring four straight goals. This is a team that we haven't seen before. We've seen that go up ahead, third period, allow two, three goals in. Go to overtime over. and lose. Yeah, we saw that against the, the, the Blue Jackets in the, in the first round. I mean, how many of us thought we would be here talking about, you know, two games away from the, from the Stanley Cup finals? Like, two games away when they were down 0-2, losing two games at home to the Blue Jackets, and then going into Columbus and winning four straight. Then against the Pens, you know, it, we start off we start off looking pretty bad, and then they come around and, and hey, all right, there's some mojo here. But we weren't expected to win. At, at best case, most of us had them winning, splitting these games in Tampa. I think you had them winning the series, you know, in six, fingers crossed. I think uh, FP had the same. I, I had them in... I had, him, I had him in five. I had him in five had too. Him in five. Right now, I'm feeling really good. Like I, I think if they, but it may be, it may be four. Uh, Canada, how much of the Capitals are you watching? You're a hockey guy, even though Toronto is, uh, as you know, didn't fare so well. What are you seeing? Canada feels like uh, Toronto is completely devastated from from the Raptors. <laughs> so uh, I, I think they've lost all internet connectivity. That's but, fine. Okay, when he comes back, we'll ask him. But what do you? Okay, so how do we temper expectations here, right? How do we how do we manage to keep DC from just bursting into full on, uh, you know, craziness and 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 excitement over the potential of, of of a Stanley Cup Finals appearance? Because a lot of things can go wrong. But you look at this Tampa Bay. To me, the to me the key has been what they've been able to do to. Um, uh, to Vasilevsky, right? Like that's I think I'm pronouncing that name right. You got to help me with all the Russian names, but um, the goaltender, right? For for Tampa Bay, he seems to be really quick to go to his knees whenever shots come on, which means he's opening up the top two corners of the net, which ironically is where most of the goals are being being flung at him. So I don't know why he falls so quick to do that butterfly thing. I think that's what it's called, but it's in, it's in, it's very impressive that even like they've been the the Capitals have been able to kill the power play when it's been against them. They've been able to score on the power play when it's in their favor, but at even strength five on five, they're just a superior team right now. I mean, they are they are physical. They are hitting people, which is what I said that was a key for me, is that they're going to have to get, you know, they're just going to have to start knocking people over a little bit and trust that they can slow them down enough to then get after them. And and frankly, you got to look at the, this roster. It's not like Ovechkin's been great and he's gotten his goals. One of them was kind of in garbage time, but you look, I mean, Tom Wilson's playing great. Kuzi's playing great. Holpe is is on another planet right now as far as what he's able to do, shutting down stuff from 2 feet away. I mean, I'm really impressed with this Caps team because even even the 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 random contributor guys like uh, like Connolly and Beagle and our one black guy, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. DSP. Yeah, right. Like he, he got a goal yesterday. Right. So, right. I mean, I'm excited, and I'm trying to not get too excited. But this team, you know, oh, man. It looks good. It looks really looks good. good. And I'll, I'll tell you what. Holby is, it looks like the best goaltender in hockey right now. Ovi looks like the best player in the series, without a doubt. Kuzi looks like probably the second best player. I mean, the team is finally playing to what they can. It's not. It's not the the series that we've had before, where it's oh only if this guy can get hot or only if this guy can. The team they're they're playing purely team effort. Everyone's doing their part. They're playing physical, but you don't see the chippiness, the stupid penalties that you saw in Pittsburgh, which is huge. Um, 
you're right. Tom Wilson is knocking people's heads off, but he's not he's not getting the penalties. So um, the, the Caps got to play smart. They got to play, uh, you know, limit the penalties because as we saw, I think Tampa had uh, two goals on two penalties yesterday. And, um, you know, let's bring this home. Let's win two. And it's let's just get this incredible. Over I mean, you look at you look at just pull that thread on Holpe for a second. Right. He's stopped 340 of 367 shots. Okay, so yes, he's allowed some goals, but 340 of 367. More importantly, right, the the high danger chances, 106 of 113. He's freaking sitting on a 94% save percentage. That's insanity. And this is the guy who didn't start the the it's playoffs insanity. is our starting. That's right, and and it makes you wonder. And I don't like to to do the revisionist history thing, but it makes you wonder how those games, how he would, how the Caps would have fared in those two games. And maybe that that first series would have been a little bit shorter. But that's you know, let's leave that aside. You know, I mean, he's he's I'm, I'm fifteen okay of seventeen. You know, at even strength, that's incredible against the, against the Lightning alone. Like he's, he's stopping playing, everything. He's playing with no pressure. He's playing with no pressure. It, it, you come in at the beginning of the series, at the beginning of the playoffs, and there's another goaltender sitting behind you. All the pressure's on you. It's the whole RG three Kirk Cousins thing. I mean, not to draw a parallel to football, but it really is where you have someone sitting behind you who may or may not be better than you. And you're just you're nervous. You're not playing up to what you, your potential. So you you put um, you know um, Grooby in first, and then you know he screws up, and you throw in Holpe, and the guy's standing on his head. Like I mean, he's clearly the best goaltender in hockey right now. So give me your expectations here. Do you believe that the Capitals can close this out in the next two games in Washington D.C. Rock the red. Do you anticipate uh, you know a single Tampa Bay Lightning fan to ma- find their way into the arena? Tomorrow night, I, I don't find a way that Tampa is going to have a single fan at, at the Rock the Red. Um, I think if the Caps can come out to a fast start, Game Three, put them away early, the Caps win uh, in four. I think the Caps come out a, a little bit lethargic and uh, slow in Game Three. I, I think the Caps can put it away in Game Game Five in Tampa. Um, but ultimately, I'm going to stick to my prediction of Caps in five. I'm not sure why I'm so nervous with the Caps coming home. They're seven and one on the road, right? So they're three and four, if my math, or one and four, if my math is right, at home. Like, uh, they're. Uh, I almost wish the next two were in Tampa. <laughs> like, play all four of the stupid Tampa games now, like uh, in one shot. I, I just feel like they, like you said, I think there's a there's a different um, there's a there's a lack of pressure maybe. But at the same time, I'm excited for them to come home. And there, if there's a chance to close this out Thursday night in DC, can you? This city's gonna be nuts. The city will the literally city go berserk, done. you know, the and then and we're, and we're going to be in real trouble about how to rename this podcast to something else that starts with DTC. But let's cross that bridge when we get there. I, I like them to do this. I really do. I think they're the better team They're I mean, all the pressure right now is on Tampa Bay. All of it. They have to they well, have to win one of these next two. That's a ton of pressure. Well, the, honestly, the six two loss for Tampa in game two is deflating. I mean, you lose you. You actually absolutely got embarrassed on home ice in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's deflating to a team. So the Caps have to take advantage of that and pounce on them early. Well, but not, I mean, but, but the 4-2 loss in Game 1 on Friday night was also, I mean, one, I know the last one was an open net goal, but but still, you, you look at these margins. The Capitals have hung 10 goals on one of the best goalkeepers and teams in, in, in hockey. So you have to be encouraged. And you look out west, I'm not sure, and maybe we'll, we'll park this topic for, uh, for FP, Later this week, or uh, whenever he's ready to come back to work, you know, I don't know who the Caps would rather see in in the you know in the actual 
finals. Do you want to see the Jets or do you want to see the uh, the Golden Knights? I like to call them the Golden Nuggets. I'm not sure why. Maybe because I'm maybe I'm not sure. I just like the Golden Nuggets. Isn't, but isn't that a casino in uh, Old Town Vegas? It, Old Town, it would be downtown Las Vegas, and it used to be. I believe it's now renamed to something else. Uh, but regardless, I mean, it's incredible that we're sitting here thinking about what might be in, in just three or four days from now. So, um, you know, let's go get it, Caps. C-A-P-S, Caps, Caps, Caps. Any final thoughts, LP? Let's rock the stadium tomorrow. I mean, let's let's rock the city. Let's go, Caps. We got so many good things happening in sports. The Nats are on a little bit of a heater. Uh, not a little bit. They're, they won 13 of 15. They got the Yankees coming to town. The Capitals are coming home with a chance to close out the Lightning. We got Audi Field and the D.C. United. Not very good team. But we got that that stadium, that that park opening in, in uh, what looks like a month That'd or so. July 14th. Two, Three months. Just under, just under two months. So there's a lot happening. A lot of things to be excited about in D.C. sports. But for now, let's stick a pin in it. Uh, Canada, thank you for joining us. LP, as always, it's a pleasure. For the entire DTC family, my name is Joe. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned, Caps fans. We're Welcome close to, to DC, do- Wayne Rooney. We're close. <laughs> Did he sign? It's not It's not official yet, right? It's pretty much a, a done deal. <laughs> we'll see. Although he's past his prime, uh, but we'll see. Okay. And apparently, Fernando Torres is about to sign with the uh, with the Chicago Fire. We got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about before the World Cup starts, too. Um, hey man, I'll take someone past their prime than someone who's never going to hit a prime, which is what DC United is right now. That's an interesting perspective. Do you see Manchester City put up a hundred points first time ever? Hundred points. That's that was insane. It's it's yeah, it's it's impressive. I have some thoughts on that because I'm a DC fan and I need a winning team and I'm looking for a new EPL team. So I'm thinking about pulling the the Man City. Oh, uh, I like their colors. <laughs> hey, well, look, I'm an Arsenal fan. You're, you're more than welcome to join uh, the Gooners, but we it's it's been a couple down years for us in a row. Maybe Man United. They're in a they're in an interesting spot now, and there's links uh, there's links or rumors linking Neymar to Man United, which would be insanity too. He apparently he's bored with the competition level in in uh, in France, which anyone could have told him last year was pathetic. But anyway. We uh, we have to save soccer for another show because Steve and FP get all pissy and annoyed with us. But anyway. All right. For LP, my name is Joe. Let's go Caps. C-A-P-S. Caps, Caps, Caps. Until next time, this is DTC. Let's go Caps. We are out.